and welcome to another episode of the Thorax podcast. I'm Kate Dearmady, Research Fellow and Intensive Care Registrar at BARTS. Today I'm talking to Professor Wei Shen Lim, Consultant Respiratory Physician and Honorary Professor at the University of Nottingham, whose research interests focus on community-acquired pneumonia and flu. Thank you very much for joining us, Wei Shen. Thank you for inviting me. So we wanted to talk today about your paper um, that was published at the end of July in Thorax, which looked at the readmission to hospital in patients who had been treated with community-acquired pneumonia. The paper uses data from the BTS community-acquired pneumonia audit, um, and I understand that that's been running for several years, and I was wondering if you could tell us a bit more about that. Yes, of course. Um, the BTS audit uh, is set up by the BTS, the British Thoracic Society. So absolutely thanks to the BTS headquarters team and all BTS members who have contributed so well to the audit. It's been running since 2009. Uh, some people might remember that in 2009, the BTS published a guideline on community quiet pneumonia the audit was set up immediately after that guideline. So the audit has been running uh, on occasional years ever since then, with the latest cycle in 2019. And obviously there's been lots of data that's come out of this audit, but what do you think are the sort of main things that we've learned from auditing this over the last 10 years? 10 years, yes. Well, first of all is that more and more people have participated in the audit. So we have over 100 institutions with 10,000 over patients uh, being audited in the last cycle, and that's an increase over time. Uh, And the most significant um, output that we've noticed over 10 years is a decrease in 30-day mortality from community-acquired pneumonia within the audit uh, from about 20% and the first audit cycle in 2009, down to about 10% uh, in the latest audit cycle in 2019. So it's over a 10-year period, uh, which is fantastic to see that drop in mortality. It's not causal association. So we can't say that because we've done the audit, the mortality has decreased. There'll be all sorts of reasons why that has happened. But on the other hand, one shouldn't discount the fact that the audit has had some impact in promoting that sort of improvement in mortality. And presumably it's also related to the greater awareness of the guidelines and maybe the audit has helped publicise that. Indeed, yeah. Just by doing an audit, obviously people become more aware and that improves um, clinical care usually. Uh, There's the awareness of the guideline over time. Uh, There are things such as the sepsis bundle being brought in, or the BTS uh, pneumonia care bundle being brought in. Uh, there's the work of GERF. Uh, there's the most recent work on the NC pod for pneumonia. So it's many, many different things, um, but being observed through the lens of the audit, uh, and therefore, hopefully, that's promoting interest and uh, improvements over time. And I think that, so whilst the mortality has improved greatly from 30 to 10% over 10 years, which is actually quite remarkable when you when you hear it, um, it's still quite high. Is it fair to say? Uh, yes, I would say so. So um, if you think about it, uh, would you say that somebody was coming to a hospital with a condition where one in 10 people uh, do not survive uh, is a low risk condition? I would say it's not. It's a high risk condition. Um, and obviously, uh, if you 
break that down into people with low, moderate or high severity pneumonia, uh, then in fact there are groups of people with high severity pneumonia who have a much higher mortality. Uh, it may go up to 20%, so one in five people may not survive that particular episode. So it's a high-risk condition. And I know that we use the CURB score for stratifying patients. And do you think that we are, do you think we've become better at identifying high-risk patients over the course of the audit? I think overall there has been uh, an interest and a focus on identifying very sick people, not just with pneumonia, but all sorts of other conditions, be it exacerbations of COPD or sepsis in its broadest sense. So I think we have become better identifying people early on when some uh, measures can be put in to hopefully improve their outcomes. And, and is there anything in particular that you think would be particularly beneficial either on for individual clinicians working with patients with pneumonia or on a sort of more general policy level that would further improve mortality? The latest... Uh, National Sequin uh, has focused on pneumonia and in particular trying to increase the adherence to the uh, pneumonia bundle. And the pneumonia bundle includes a severity assessment tool as well as advocating appropriate antibiotics uh, with timeliness of antibiotics being a part of the bundle. I think if everybody uh, was able to adhere to such uh, guidance, then we would be able to make yet more gains in terms of mortality reduction. And any gain is going to be helpful. Mm -hmm. And I, I was also wondering, I think um, it might not have been in this specific paper, but I think it was in something else from the CAP audit, that a lot of severe pneumonia is now coded as sepsis. So there's, or that is a possible reason as for why we're seeing less severe pneumonia cases. It's been drilled into us all very much to think sepsis at all times. I don't know really if the management of these patients would vary. If you're not thinking, I'm going to curb score this patient and manage them as per community acquired pneumonia guidelines. If you're just thinking this is sepsis, I'm going to do a lactate and give some fluids and some generic antibiotics as to whether that changes the patient's management or not. Uh, right. Um... I need to declare uh, an interest here in that uh, I helped to develop the CURB 65 score. So, yeah. uh, um, so you're more of a CURB 65 person than a sepsis 6 person. <laughs> so from that point of view, I would say yes. Um, although the validation studies uh, have generally suggested in infection-type conditions that the infection-specific severity assessment tool is better than the generic assessment tool. Mm -hmm. um, so from if you took that point of view and accepted that as being true, or at least have something, some evidence behind it, then uh, one would want to use the sepsis tool, but also use a pneumonia-specific tool to help guide management. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I think you wanted to talk about how a sort of comparator between heart failure and pneumonia or uncommunity-acquired pneumonia? Oh, that wasn't really in the context of recovery from pneumonia. We've touched on so far on improvements in mortality. And sadly, 10% of people do not survive 
their index admission with pneumonia. But that means that 90% of people do survive and go on to leave hospital. Mm -hmm. What happens to patients who survive and leave hospital is not very well studied at all. If you think of all the research that is being done for pneumonia, uh, a lot of it is focused at the front end and reducing mortality. There is very little research or quality improvement efforts uh, to improve the recovery from pneumonia. And the contrast is with people who have an acute myocardial infarction in whom they will have a whole host of different things that would be provided to them at the point of discharge from hospital to improve their post-hospital mobility. Uh, whereas we never hear about any post-pneumonia uh, mm -hmm. procedures or methods to help them improve their mobility as they recover from pneumonia. So that sort of leads into then talking about your paper, which is obviously looking at uh, readmission, mm -hmm. which is obviously related to recovery from pneumonia and not recovering from pneumonia. For the paper yourself, what was your main finding? Um, there were two main findings. The first, uh, well, just to go over the methodology, this paper was uh, an analysis of the BTS audit data linked to has hospital episode statistics data and looking at uh, what proportion were readmitted following the discharge from hospital. And what we were trying to do is work out who was being readmitted and why they were being readmitted. So it's an observational study from that point of view. The main finding was that about 15% of people are readmitted. And of those being readmitted, 40% are readmitted because of pneumonia. Interestingly, of those readmitted because of pneumonia, their mortality at the readmission episode was high, 16%, compared to those readmitted because of something other than pneumonia, where their mortality was only 6.5%. Uh, and if you compare their readmission pneumonia episode, which I said mortality was 16%, that is also high compared to the index pneumonia admission mortality, which we've just said is around 10%. So being readmitted with pneumonia is uh, bad news. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at the analysis or your discussion mm -hmm. and the patients who are readmitted are, for any reason, are older and they have more comorbidities mm -hmm. and their initial presentation was more severe, which all to me makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. The stuff that I thought was a bit um, more surprising or a bit more interesting is the relation between whether the patient had cultures taken and whether they had pneumococcal antigen positivity. When I was reading it, I was thinking, well, these patients maybe weren't investigated fully, therefore didn't get the right treatment and therefore the, the pneumonia wasn't treated and they've come back in with pneumonia. From the CURB 65 guidelines, you're only meant to, or the guidelines are to take cultures for the severe, severe pneumonia. Is there an argument that we should be, we should be doing respiratory viral screens, sputum cultures, blood cultures in all patients presenting with pneumonia at hospital? Um, it's a good point. And I think if you were to ask clinicians, uh, what would they like to do uh, without having to take into account cost effectiveness. So if everything was free, what would we like? And 
I'm sure all clinicians would say, I want more information on the microbiology because mm-hmm. that guides my treatment without a doubt. And there is uh, no harm to the patient that would occur from taking some urine or taking some extra blood. Uh, so mm-hmm. purely in terms of a uh, risk and benefit profile, without taking into account cost effectiveness, we would all want to have all the microbiology we could get to inform treatment. Uh, so I think uh, what we tend to do in clinical practice is really uh, an accounting of the cost of doing these tests um, because we think they're expensive and the positivity rate may be very low. These thoughts may actually be changing as we move forward nowadays because we are more concerned with getting the diagnosis right, getting the microbiology right, and uh, offering the most appropriate antimicrobial to a patient who's got an infection. So I think things will continue to change in the direction of doing more tests up front and relying less on empirical antimicrobial treatments. Mm -hmm. One of the other things that I noticed was that in the patients who are readmitted, fewer of them had been planned for routine for, or for, for any follow-up at all. And does, does that mean that we're bad at identifying the patients who, who won't respond well to treatment or who are likely to be readmitted? And is there anything we can do about that? Uh, that's, a, that's a very relevant question. And the study identifies some interesting observations. We don't have all the answers to them. Um, just to put the readmission rate into context, about 60% of people who are discharged from hospital with pneumonia uh, consult primary care within 30 days. And most of them consult primary care uh, within the first two weeks. So very, very early on. They tend to consult primary care because they have ongoing symptoms or they're worried that they're not getting better as quickly as they think they should be getting better. Uh, And that links also to patient expectation as to how quickly they will get better, Um, patient's belief and clinician belief, so what the patient's been told about their rates of improvement. And all of this is uh, important because uh, with a bout of pneumonia, uh, most patients when asked uh, are very, very tired uh, and still have a cough four to six weeks after hospital discharge. So time to recovery is not quick. A proportion of those who consult their primary care then also get readmitted. So it's, it's really, readmission is really just one aspect of all the other things that occur uh, following an episode of pneumonia. I think one of the things that you found is that the readmission rates have actually increased over the course of the, mm. the 10 years that you've been collecting this data. Do you know why that is? No, we don't know why. Uh, one can speculate. <laughs> Maybe people are being discharged quicker than they should be. That's one possibility. Maybe we're better at uh, linking these cases to having had an episode of pneumonia first time round. Or maybe that people are, are getting older and frailer and living with more comorbidities and therefore they are becoming more susceptible to uh, recurrence or being readmitted. And do, do you see the increase in readmission rate as a failure of management? Is it something that we should be aiming to decrease? Or do you accept that 
to run an efficient health service, you have to discharge people and some people will come back and that's just a consequence. Um, I don't think we should be comfortable with that. Certainly our patients wouldn't be comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. um, we've done quite a lot of work on recovery from pneumonia within some of our research circles. And a lot of my interest in recovery from pneumonia has been driven by our patients uh, who have explained to us their frustrations when they are recovering from pneumonia, as well as their concerns. So really a lot of the research that we've been interested in has been directly driven by patients saying to us, why don't people understand that I'm still unwell? Why am I still unwell? Why is my dad being readmitted? Uh, they are really concerned about these things and we should be as well. We shouldn't be willing to accept that a proportion will be readmitted. Mm -hmm. It comes back to what I said earlier in that there is very little research and focus on this particular part of patients' journey through pneumonia and recovery. I think we need to do more and I think we can do more for our patients. Uh, we just need to work out what are the correct interventions, <laughs> which we yeah. don't know yet. I mean, do you have any ideas? Or? Um, there's, first of all, the, the straightforward prevention type things that we already know about. So less smoking, less alcohol use, uh, they have an impact. Uh, a good review of uh, medications. So to use as little corticosteroids as possible and to reduce immunosuppression as much as possible. Ensure good nutrition, because that's always important, and ensure vaccinations mm -hmm. <laughs> are taken up. That seems obvious to us, um, but actually over the years, for example, if you take patients with chronic lung disease, only 50% of those under 65 with chronic lung disease take up their flu vaccine. Mm -hmm. And yet this is a group that is at a very high risk of flu vaccine, of, of influenza mm -hmm. over the winter. So there is much more that we can do that we already know works uh, and we need to do those things. I know that you were involved in the sort of COVID vaccination rollout and I was just wondering whether you think that, because obviously this data was all collected pre-pandemic, pre and whether you think our management of pneumonia has changed as a result of of COVID and how we managed that? I don't know from clinical studies. Um, anecdotally, I can't see that our approach to community-acquired pneumonia or pneumonia in general has changed very much. Um, we've reached a point now, I think, in the post-pandemic period when SARS-CoV-2 is just another pathogen. So somebody comes in with pneumonia and they might have any of a number of pathogens, including SARS-CoV-2. And that's probably how we should be thinking about SARS-CoV-2 and COVID nowadays. Uh, somebody has pneumonia or doesn't have pneumonia, and what are the pathogens, and what can we do about it? The difference, I think, is that because of COVID, we now have more antivirals, and there is a greater acceptance about the use of antivirals to improve outcomes. And I think that will benefit people with pneumonia who also have viral pathogens involved because they are more likely then to receive both potentially antibacterials and antivirals. So do you think we'll, we'll, we'll use antivirals in other viral chest infections? 
Yes, well, why not? Yeah, you know, <laughs> flu antivirals, there are those around and they're not. Previously, there was uh, more reluctance in using them. Perhaps that will change and that we might use them more. We need to get the evidence uh, to show just how useful they are. Um, for, for SARS-CoV-2, we have antivirals and we do use them. Uh, and we should be searching for more therapeutics for a wider range of respiratory pathogens. And, and does the data collected, does that include um, viral pneumonias? Uh, no, these data don't. Um, but as you say, pneumococcal pneumonias were looked for particularly because in the BTS audit, we do ask about the use of urine antigens. Um, mm-hmm. And in those who had pneumococcal pneumonia were less likely to be readmitted. So we should be looking out for this yeah. <laughs> and yeah. treating them appropriately yeah. will stop as many people being admitted. <laughs> well, if anyone's listening, then they can, <laughs> that can be the take home message. Um, uh, just to finish, and thank you very much for your time. I just wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about any other projects that you have going on or any other important areas of research that you wanted to highlight. Uh, oh, thank you. So uh, there is one that we want to highlight. Okay. <laughs> um, we talked about uh, readmission uh, because of pneumonia. There is also uh, a large amount of cardiovascular disease that occurs following an episode of pneumonia. And there may be many reasons why there is uh, an increase in cardiovascular events with pneumonia, not least because of systemic inflammation and other reasons like that. There is a trial that's happening in the UK. Uh, It's the ASPECT trial, which is a pragmatic, open-label trial randomizing patients, participants to aspirin or no aspirin to try and reduce the chance of these cardiovascular events occurring post-pneumonia. So it's open right now uh, and it's open on many sites across the UK. If you have a patient with pneumonia and your trial centre or your hospital is a trial centre, then consider uh, enrolling your patient into the trial. Awesome. Um, That sounds very interesting and I'll look forward to hearing the results um, but yeah thank you very much for joining us it's been really fun great thank you yes <laughs> it's been very good <laughs> thank you very much for listening to the thorax podcast we will be publishing regular podcasts about some of the best content in the latest issue of the journal if you don't want to miss it please subscribe on your preferred platform to get it directly on your device each month we'd also like to hear from you so please get in touch through our social media channels or leave us a review on the Thorax podcast page on iTunes. Thank you and see you next month.